On this week's episode of Circles Off, we're talking about the NFL betting market and how you can find value at different points in the week. If you bet early, what do you look for? If you're betting later on throughout the week, what do you look for? We're going to dive into it, try to find you some value, all that and more on this week's Circles Off. Come on, let's go! Welcome to Circles Off, episode number 120, right here, part of the Hammer Betting Network. I am Rob Pizzola, joined by Johnny from Betstamp. How goes it? Very good. Back in full swing, as always, number 20, episode 120. 20 tough, man. So I know it's tough. We got one guy who I can vividly remember on the Leafs from my uh, my childhood. He was a netminder. Oh, man. Was Eddie, he ever? the Eagle, Belfour. I believe uh, Ed Belfour once got pulled over for a DUI. Don't want to rehash on some bad stuff. But I believe the story was that he offered the police officer a billion dollars to let him go. <laughs> I'm pretty sure if you look up an Ed Belfour story, it came out, he offered uh, the, the officer a billion dollars. Also, do you remember when Ed Belfour was like- in, Hall of Fame. Uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame? Jeans and a leather jacket. Oh man, what a look that was. Did you know that, I Johnny? did not know oh, that. Oh, jeans and a leather jacket. Barry Sanders, number 20. I should have remembered that. That was from my childhood and I was a huge Barry Sanders fan. There was always like me growing up, Cowboys fan, there was always like the debate of who's better, Emmett Smith or Barry Sanders. It was obviously Barry Sanders. Emmett Smith had like the best offensive line of all time, but that's a big one. And current wow, Cowboy- look at that. Oh, that, that, see, this is the, this is the, yeah, next to Doug Gilmore there. That, that was the look, man. You know what? Lean into it, Eddie. If that's your style. It takes some, like, you got to be a type of guy to be a netminder in the NHL. He would have been, he would have been turned away from uh, the sporting sports betting hall of fame induction by Spanky at Bet <laughs> if he was wearing that. Uh, Tony Pollard right now wears 20. Dallas Cowboy. Uh, Ed Reed was a 20. Greg Ray Allen. Ray Allen. NBA. Yeah, Ray Allen. But that, uh, that was when he was with the Celtics. Um, yeah, Ray Allen, when he was with the Celtics, wore 20. Yeah, he, he wore a different number with, I can't remember the number he wore with the, oh man. I'm trying to remember. Anyways. Any good baseball players? 20? The, I, 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 I never, do you ever like remember baseball player numbers? Just only, like cu- curious if you do. Like Roy Halladay, pretty much only. Yeah, like I don't ever remember baseball player numbers. Even my favorite players, growing, Carlos Delgado was my favorite player growing up. I have no idea what number. I don't was. even know what his name, number is either. Jose Bautista, though. I, I, yeah, did we 19, get him last week 19, or no? 19. Bautista's a number. I don't even think we mentioned him last no, week. Yeah. We didn't. Oh, boy. Well, that was a mistake. That was a mistake, Jose. What uh, was also a mistake on my part was uh, a parlay, the parlay heard around the world this past week that I... Uh, that I tweeted about. First of all, the mistake was probably tweeting about it, for one. But did do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I saw your tweet, but I'd okay. love to hear the story. So first and foremost, I tweeted, I placed a 252 to one parlay to make one of my accounts look square and it won, LOL. People think- Wait, hold up, before you get into this story, I think you should tell people about a place where you don't need to make your account look square. You know what, I was gonna do it afterwards, but totally acceptable, 100%. If I was betting at Pinnacle Sportsbook, the world's sharpest sports book. I would not have had to do something like that. Pinnacle is available to bettors in Ontario. Find out what professional bettors have known for decades, 25 years actually. Pinnacle's where the best bettors play. Bet smart, bet Pinnacle, and use code HAMMER, H-A-M-M-E-R, if you're signing up to Pinnacle in Ontario, as it does help support us here on Circles Off. You have to be 19 plus, not available in the U.S. And of course, as always, please play responsibly and the beauty of pinnacle like i mentioned is you bet there your limits are going to be the same as everyone else all the time you don't have to do what's called like account grooming 
in the space right now. But anyways, I made this tweet and I'll, I'll describe the story. I'm not going to name the sports book because it doesn't matter. People could probably figure it out based off the prices or whatever. But on Sunday, this past week, right before the late game started, right before the four o'clock games, I'm like, I don't have an account here in this book under my name or whatever. I deposited 2,500 bucks into this. And I'm like, this was not with the intention of making money. What I like to do with a lot of the more recreational accounts is like put in some more, what I would deem square action. When I first start betting into the account as to not tip my hand that this is like sharp, sharp action. Now I'm signed up in my real name. So maybe like this is just a fruitless exercise anyways. And as soon as I sign up, they, they like flag the account or whatever, but I put 2,500 bucks in and there was four late games in the NFL, the four o'clock games. And right before each one started, like a minute before I put 500 bucks, a nickel on the over in every single one of those games. I think that's like a pretty like square thing to do bet last minute throw some money on the over in the game. Well, we're approaching the half in these games. I'm like, oh my, I'm like, these are all going to hit to the over. They're going to see that this account deposited 2,500 bucks. It won 2,000 on these. Maybe like some trader's going to review this and like, I'm going to be on the radar. So I'm like, I got to start firing and donking off some parlays here. So I did. This wasn't the only parlay that I placed. I don't think so, at least. I was trying to rip stuff in real time, but obviously odds come off the board. It's hard when you're live betting to parlay in, in some instances. But I got a scenario where the Giants were losing 21-0 to the Cardinals. They were 10-1 to on the money line. And the Commanders were losing 21-3 to the Broncos. And they were 22-1 to on the money line. And I parlayed them together at a price of 252-1. to And naturally, they both won. So in attempting to literally lose... Over the course of the day, I ended up winning a bunch, maybe costing myself EV in the long run of what this account could be worth over time. But I just thought it was a funny story. Like this is why I ended the tweet with LOL. It just happened in my life. And I, I like Twitter or X is sometimes just an extension of our lives. Like lots of people just tweet things that happen in their life. There was no like ulterior motives or anything like that. So I just wanted to put that out there as like, this is the reason it's just an extent. Like I didn't even think about it. Like this happened, here it is. It blew up, got a ton of views, like a couple hundred thousand views altogether. But that's a true story. That's what happened. As of now, I don't know if there's, if I've been limited on the account or not or whatever, but that's, that happened. But I had to sweat. So like, I didn't even know if I was, and it's a small bet by the way. It's $10 bet to win $2,520. It's nothing. I've, I fired a bunch of little parlays in game. It's not like it's life-changing money, but... You just donked a, a, a tenner. Well, R Russell Wilson hits the Hail Mary for the Broncos at the end. So there's going to be a two-point conversion. And as I'm watching that play, I actually didn't know if I was rooting for it to win or not. I was so conflicted. I didn't know what I was supposed to be... Do you, you know what I'm getting at? Yeah, I don't like, I'm, I like, don't, I'm yeah. like, I might as well just take the money at this point, right? It's that close to winning. I might as well just take it. Like, <laughs> and the Cardinals had won already. Yeah. Or sorry, had, had blown it already, I should say. Yeah. That Hail Mary, too. I've watched a lot of Hail Marys in my day. Best one. That one was amazing. Like, it's, it's, it's not getting enough credit for the fact that 
like all the things that had to happen for it to get to the end, the ball to get to the end zone. First of all, that's that's in, in Denver. Like that ball traveled probably 10 yards further than it would have in any other NFL. Yeah, and Russ has got a good arm. Yeah. So like he he aired it out there and the altitude caused it to go a little bit more, but all the deflections to get into the end zone, it started like there, there was a play on Sunday night football where there was a blocked field goal where Chris Collinsworth on the broadcast is like, all the teams are going to do this now. Where it was like, I don't know if you saw, but it was uh, essentially the guy who would normally be co- covering the gunner on the, so on the punt. Sick. Yeah, just kind of like slowly creep towards the line of scrimmage and ran and blocked the field goal, unblocked. And Collinsworth is like, you're going to see the whole league do that now. And I'm thinking with this Hail Mary, why do, not, why do teams not get their best jumper out there to just tip the ball up into the air? 100 billion zillion percent. They should be doing that. When's the last time you've seen a Hail Mary of that many yards get caught outright? I think it's maybe Aaron Rodgers when he, when he had those two. And that was completely misplayed by the defenders. They just like misplayed it. And I can't remember who caught it, but they high pointed it or every, whatever. Every yeah. Hail Mary that gets caught now is basically it just there's guys in the back and then they a, a defender goes and tries to catch it instead of just trying to bat it down or something. Or he, he, there's too many hands there. It gets tipped out and then a guy grabs it. And how many, oh, we've even seen so many where it'll get tipped up and it's there and then just like a defender grabs it. You're yes. like, oh, okay, no Hail Mary. Uh, right. But it's so much more likely to get caught. Like if you just, just want to it. Just put the ball up in that scenario. They still had, if the guy caught it, like they could have literally, like the commander's defense could have backed off. Yep. Let someone from Denver catch, catch it, it sure. and then just tackle yes. it. Yes. Instead, they go for a scrum. It gets tipped up, and he catch double tip, triple tip, catch in the end zone. Crazy. Now, now I ne- I never played like high school or or college football or anything. Like I don't know what you're trained in these situations. I know back in the day, like the commentators would get so upset when the defender didn't knock it down. But I actually do remember a hail mary where like a defender tried to knock it down. It like hit his fingertips and just went like up in the air. So I I don't hate that the guys sometimes. Like, I would at least go two hands and try to, like, actually pull it down to the ground rather than, like, the one-hand swat where it just, like... But this seems to me, like, if you're going to do a Hail Mary, the probability of tipping it up into the end zone and getting a catch in, is, in my opinion, way higher than just a bunch of people scrum together all jumping for the ball. And one one additional hack, though. One additional hack. When's last time you seen a ref throw a flag for uh, defensive pass interference on a Hail Mary? Um, I'll tell I, you when. Okay. Never been done. It's never been done? No, like, obviously, it, it has been done. But in a big scrum, like, they don't call it, man. So just, like, you know, you got to just grab it, yeah. and claw. They don't call that. It, it happened. Uh, I'm going to find the game. It did happen in my lifetime. It did happen. I don't remember the game. Uh, it would probably have to be super obvious. Like, because they, they don't call that, man. They're all they're it, all getting mauled there. It's just, okay, they don't call it. For um, It happened two years ago. Vikings got busted for pass interference on a Hail Mary against the Bucks. It would happen in 2020. It was the first time it had happened since 2008. So it'd okay. been 12 years in between. But I did so remember- it's been 14 years for one. Listen, 15 years, and I, there's been one. I ain't gonna be the ref that throws the flag on the hill. No, and yeah. nobody, and that's the thing, nobody wants to. There's so many people jostling for position. Like, good, it has to be egregious. All right, like, here's the one that I thought about yesterday. I didn't think about the tipping. That's a pretty good one. But the one I was thinking about yesterday is, you know, in rugby, when they pick the, what is it? They call them the hooker. Is that what it is? Yeah. What, I don't know the positions. Up. Yeah. Okay. Maybe you don't pick the person up, but as they jump, you know, when you're like a kid and someone helps you, you dunk boost and they boost, you boost, you, boost them. so you get 
two guys on either side and you pick like the tallest person jumps and as they jump both push up on either side. That's how you get them up there. That was the it's first like you're raising them up at a wedding or something, you yeah. know? Because, like, is there <laughs> any that, rule against that? That guy's going to get clotheslined and land that on his works, head. bro, there's no way. But he's going up there anyways. Like, he, are you trying? how much are you trying to risk it here? How much? How bad do you want to win? I'm going to try that in college first, see if it works, yeah. and then they'll bring it to the I NFL. appreciate your thought process and trying to gain an edge. I don't I don't know how, re- how realistic it is. Been watching too much kicking and screaming. <laughs> You know that movie? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Pass, yeah. The, Pass the ball the to the Italians. Italians. Yeah. Yeah. You know I'm saying? You know the part where he, they pick up the, the little kid? I don't, I don't remember it I don't well know enough. if I remember that. I don't part. remember it well Dude, enough. Dude, that's like the game tying goal in the, in the main game. In <laughs> the, the, the championship game. Yeah, Beyonce. Beyonce. The big guy picks him up, and then he had, Beyonce yeah, okay, headers yeah. it in. I do remember this now, yes. yes. <laughs> that's yeah. so funny. The other he thing I was thinking just because we thought about it last year, and we did, like, what rules would you change to, like, make the game whatever? I, I have mine because I didn't have one last year. I thought about it yesterday. You've been thinking about it for a year now? <laughs> no, no, no. no. I was just watching yesterday and there was one play that happened and I was like, that's the rule. Okay, so there was a punt and it was going to be a landing on like the one yard line and the team that kicked the punt ran down and the uh, the guy who was chasing down, I guess it's the gunner, gunner at that yeah. point, he's going down there. He caught it on the one yard line. Here's my rule. If you catch the ball, you keep possession. When your team punts it, you keep possession. <laughs> so, so basically, you, it's as if it's a throw. Yes. And if you catch it and you step in the end zone like that guy, like everyone on the other team just runs away. They don't. But they the could just do that so obvious. Yeah, they could just but, do but, that so obviously because, like, you have to. You have to. What you if you fair catch? catch like, exactly. How many times did the, does the guy get there before the fair catch where he could actually catch it? It's well, happens. not that common, but I'm just saying, like. It, you could do it. You're forcing the defender. Okay, it to would be it able like to happen one. every yes. time though, because they're punting for distance right now. If they just punted straight for height, yeah. no distance, you could catch that every time. Or sorry, I mean, like if it's a scrum, then how do you hit, how do you handle the hit? It wouldn't be ha- be able to happen in the CFL with the no yards rule. No yards, no yards. No, no one, they don't even know what that. People no, don't even people, know what that the is. Americans have no idea what that. You rule get a is. flag if you if you like are within five yards of a guy when he catches when he a punt. punt. <laughs> no yards. Yeah. It's like a it's like a fifteen yard penalty too. It's yeah. like something absurd. Yeah. It's the dumbest rule. But I'm thinking we go backwards. Like yeah, player safety. Take it away a little bit. Turn it down a notch. Well, you 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 would force the defender to field the punt at at the one. Yeah, I'm down. Like they could call a fair catch and catch it themselves, but then they're starting on the one. It's like I you, don't see how this rule works because it'd be a scrum. Like the the offense and the defense would be both fighting to catch it. And then how do you who catches it? Who well, gets to catch it? You still I think you still have to give the defense priority. But if the guy walks away from the ball and yeah. says, like, I'm not going to, or doesn't signal for a fair catch, then the offense is, like, fair game. Like, that's you my know, thought. Okay, I'm not going to lie. I think spot. this rule is a little bit, it's a little bit out there. <laughs> well, it is, yeah. I knew interesting, that. Interesting. <laughs> All right, I got something, actually. So, uh, one of my buddies who uh, listens to Pizzola a lot, no one knows why. Sorry, he hasn't, <laughs> I feel sorry for this guy. So, so he's uh, he's been betting NFL for about, I would say now going on probably like 15 years ish, same time, you know, and um, he's got the exact same strategy every single week without a doubt. He does this five games spread. Yeah. Or if it's a really tight game, sometimes we'll go with the money line. Like if it's within minus like 20 aside. Yep. So he'll take five games only. Never will take four games. Never will take six games. Five a week, no matter what. And he just bets them all for a hundred bucks and then he just sweats those five games out he just truly does pick the games he likes 
And if it's not a Sunday, if it's like he doesn't have the night game, he doesn't have the Monday night, it's only Sunday. Okay. Okay. Sometimes I'll have the Sunday nighter. Okay. Sometimes I'll just like four in the one o'clock. Okay. D- does he have the expectation of winning money? He or is, is he doing try- this for like rec? He's had business? multiple winning seasons. He's pr- he's definitely down overall. But like, he knows that. But he's had winning seasons. Does he care though? Like, yeah, he- he's trying to win. Okay. He's Would trying he to win. Say about even. About no, even. No, 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 no. <laughs> Honestly, he might even be up lifetime. He actually might be up lifetime because he's not he's not horrible. And uh, like you know, since w- with BetSamp and stuff, he is line shopping a couple accounts okay. now. Okay. But he's not super serious about it to the way he's like he's picking his picks. Okay. And then he he hammers them. Okay. Now here's the. And, and also, by the way, just given that, like five picks a week throughout the full NFL season, that's such a little amount of bets. It's so e- it's like very possible to win oh, for like four years in a row. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. even if you have a slightly negative 18 bet. times five, that was, that's what, 60? Am I doing the math in my head correctly? I don't know. I'm, 18 no, times in, five would be, nine, would be 90, almost 100. 90, yeah, 90. Yeah, never mind. 90, 92. 90. So even, even if you're doing that for second. four seasons, 360 games, like... That's that's still well within the range of like random variance, and it's all it's already on the spreads, and now he's line shopping. So he's real even if he's just coin flipping, it's not that big of a, a, a negative edge. Yep. But what he's doing is basically like it's a big uh, fantasy player as well. So he's looking like okay, this guy, this this team, this team, and he just figures out like what he's capping it like the regular fan would. Got it. Okay. Oh, the Raiders suck. Giants are trash this week. Like whatever. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So if you hear his explanations, it'll sound exactly like. The guy who plays fantasy but that doesn't know and we and we all we all roast him for it it's nothing he doesn't know okay so here's what he asked me this week okay he has been listening to pozzola he's actually a fan now of the early week the the late night show you have on saturday on sunday nights the okay. one that just breaks down i don't even know what it's called what's that show so called? sunday nights we, we we just call it forward progress it's on the forward progress youtube channel it's myself it's clive bixby it's 8 p.m eastern time every sunday night and basically what we do is we recap the day that was and we pull up the pinnacle odds board for the upcoming week and say like where we think the lines are going to move, which direction we think they're going to go, both sides and totals. So it's about 90 minute show. But yeah, we have some fun with it on Sunday nights. So A, that's a great show. Good recap for everyone. Go check that out um, if you want to recap if you're not done with football by the end of the <laughs> Sunday. But the question he asked me was, he's been listening to you for a while, listening to this podcast, and he's been saying he knows now, based on like the CLV conversation that we had, that he needs to beat the closing line to win money in the long run. Mm-hmm. But, and he knows that the best way to beat the closing line is to line shop as well as to bet earlier in the week so you have a better chance at a softer line, especially if you're only betting 100 bucks to go through it. Yep. Okay, so he's aware of those two. But the question with, that he asked me, which I didn't even know what to answer, is... He knows he has to bet early week, but how? Like, what does he actually look for to bet early week? Because this year, what he said is he's been, he switched up his strategy. So the thing I told you about the hundred, now he's doing every Monday morning, placing $50 on the five sides he wants. Okay. And then Sunday morning, he re-ups the 50, no matter, no matter what on the same teams. Okay. So let's say he likes Arizona plus six or something. He'll bet Arizona plus six on Monday. If that line's plus eight on Sunday, he re-ups another 50. So he's splitting half and half his bets. Yes. So that he can basically track it and see like if the early would have won more than the late. Okay. What he's asked me though is why, how would he know like which ones to wait for, which ones to not wait for? So I'm wondering if you had any insight. Okay, I do. I, I can talk about this ad nauseum. Uh, I'm not going to dive into his strategy, by the way. Which well, he I knows mean, it's not a good strategy, okay. but it's a fun. It's a because, fun because, way for him to not like 
go overboard and just like cap it to I'm only betting five games a week. For sure. If people have like problem gaming issues or could get out of hand, capping it at that, I have no problem with that. But just for the people that don't or like don't understand why I wouldn't like that, any arbitrary number of games, I don't like doing stuff like that because you might have two edges on one NFL Sunday and 10 the next week. But by limiting yourself to five, that week where there's only two edges, you're now playing three games that you might not like as much as like a following week or previous. And the weeks where you do like a lot of games, you now have to dial it back. So I don't, I'm not a fan yeah, it's of not a good, It's not a good strategy. You never anyways, want to tie yourself on, hey, I got to bet only this or only exactly. this. Exactly. But at the same time, People How mimic, much like, you, mimic, mimic the Vegas contests, right? Like the Circa Millions and the Westgate Super Contests. you've been doing like that five. for as long as I could even remember okay. before I even knew about those contests. Okay. But no, hey, hear me out. Because I, I do think it's important. Like a lot of people are, they have all these random strategies for NFL. They're like, okay, I bet. Like you told me, the, there's guys who bet like, they'll bet the, the one game for the one o'clock, one game for the four, and they always bet the Sunday, Monday, and Thursday. So they have one bet per slate. Yep. Just to watch. Listen. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. It's definitely not the best ROI EV strategy to win money. Yes. But if you really factor in like the entertainment value of it, like a, doing five a week or having like a consistent strategy where you actually never go overboard, you don't have the ability to donk winnings or chase losses on the night game. Like I think that's honestly for a lot of people good. I don't disagree. I, I think in a lot of instances, depending on the person, they might be way better off doing that. Like, you know, the funny, you know, close friend of mine, but he's going to pick the the one o'clock game, the four o'clock game. He's going to bet the same amount on both. And then no matter what, he's going to bet double on the eight o'clock every single night. Like, but it's, that's like his thing. And that's all he's going to do. And worst case scenario is going to be down four units for the week. He's just move on to the next week or, but so many times he just breaks even because he wins the one <laughs> and the four and then loses the eight, but whatever. Anyways, <laughs> let's get into this. So. For those that don't know, when I do forward progress on Sunday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern, look ahead to the next week, I do not have my own numbers on the games yet, okay? I don't make my own numbers or finalize my own numbers personally till Tuesday morning. So I'm in the same boat as every recreational better at that point, which is which way is this line more likely to move? So what have you done though? You just just looked at the look ahead lines and you know who's playing who, that's it. So all I know is what the matchups are for the upcoming week. That's it. I pull up the odd screen. I don't know what the look ahead line is. That might be helpful for some people, but honestly, because the limits are are so low on the look ahead lines, people find themselves like naturally rooted in that's what the line should be. This is an overreaction or underreaction. And they forget about all the things that might've happened in that actual week where the look ahead line doesn't apply anymore. Yeah, also even the look ahead line could have just be an offline that gets bet into place anyways as an opener. 100%. So it's, yeah, it's not really that valuable. I'll, I'll walk through my process on a Sunday for NFL. And I'm not saying every single person has to do it, but this is what works for me. And there's gonna be line, there's gonna be times where we do forward progress on Sunday night, like we did in week one of the NFL season. We did at the end of week one, all the, basically every single line that we thought was gonna move in a certain direction for week two did move that direction for week two. And Clive messages me the next morning and he'd be like, holy shit, like these all just moved the way that, do you think it's us that's moving them? I'm like, no, because now this past week when we did it, we got some games wrong. And that's gonna happen over time. You just can't accurately predict every single movement. But this is what I do on Sunday. Sunday, one o'clock games. I watch Red Zone in my basement by myself. You can have your friends, whatever, but I'm, I'm watching the games just to enjoy them 
and sweat bets. Once the one o'clock games are done, I go to my office and my computer for the four o'clock games. I put red zone up on the TV in front of me, but I'll be at my desk actually working. And the first thing I'm going to do is compile injury reports from the one o'clock games. So I have a permanent spreadsheet. I would recommend everybody, if you're betting the NFL, you should do this in some capacity. And it doesn't have to be like anything crazy. Just list all the teams in the league down the left side of an Excel sheet. Maybe break it up by position. This is what I do. Quarterback, skill position players, offensive line, defensive line, secondary. And I just make notes. I go through beat writer Twitter lists, which are available to the public. You can literally just search Find beat writer, and I just scour through news. This guy left the game, this guy did, and I just make all these notes into a sheet. And I put details on them. So, offensive lineman gets hurt. Did he return to the game? What's the injury? Like, is it a concussion? Is it this? Were there any comments from the team or the coach after the game? And I just keep that. And that right there is probably enough for you to get out ahead of a lot of line moves, as dumb as it sounds. Because early week NFL, if there are bad injury situations, the line is going to move against that team. It happens all the time. It's just one of the easiest ways to get... Like, it sounds so dumb, but you have to remember, we did a Circles Off episode with Chris Bennett, who is now basically running the Circus Sportsbook. But at the time he did it, he was the head of risk, And he was putting out their NFL openers. And we talked to him specifically about how they put out those NFL openers. And if someone wants to go back and listen, we'll link that episode in the description below. It's one of my favorite episodes we ever did. Because there's so many people out there that think that the book has like all this information and what it's a sharp sports book. How am I ever going to beat Pinnacle? They're a sharp sports book. They put out a number that has basically no thought process behind it other than the trader that puts it out says, yeah, you know what? I think this isn't like the right ballpark. Yeah. And there's no, not that much risk for them because it'll, even if it gets steamed one way, all they've lost is a couple bucks in EV. Right. So like literally a couple bucks as in like no more than a few hundred dollars. Right. So now if the trader's putting out a line and he has no idea that maybe three offensive linemen left the game for one team that week, because he's just using like a, you know, whatever, some sort of power rating model to put out a line, you're going to have an advantage in that capacity. So first and foremost, knowing injuries is very important. What about the big ones though? So this we're recording this on Monday this week. It's yep. got, not going to be out till Thursday, but Anthony Richardson, for example, QB on the Colts. Well, then you have to have some sort of like... Concussion. What do you do there? Like, Well, so it, that this one's a, a tougher example because the backup there is Gardner Minshew. And the fact that there's even a line open for that game tells you that the sports book doesn't think that there's a downgrade at all. It's like interchangeable quarterbacks, right? A lot of times you just won't get an opener for a lot of those games, right? If it's quarterback specific and and let's say, you know, although, you know, we saw the Joe Burrow line get blasted the other way this week. Like Joe Burrow after Sunday's game said he tweaked his calf injury. Straight up came out and said it. Line opened at six and a half that night. It's been, we're recording on Monday. The line is one and a half. It's been steamed down because Burrow might miss the game this week. Massive move. Just knowing that one piece of information, finding one beat writer report that says... Can't find that game. Ah, Monday night. Exactly. Just finding one report from a Cincinnati beat writer that said Burrow after the game says he tweaked his calf injury was enough 
And guess what? Burrow could have played, could play on Monday night or whatever, but you're holding a great number right now because the early week lines move a lot based off of injury reports. That's just plain and simple. So if you're not keeping up with that and you're going to bet early in the week, you're doing yourself a disservice because that's just one very, very simple way to get an advantage. So at the end of the one o'clock games, I start with reviewing the injuries from those games. The next thing I'm going to do is review the box scores from those games. I do this in two ways. Offense and defense? Yes. I pull up a standard box score, like standard CBS, ESPN, whatever you want to do that just gives you the basic data you need to know as a football fan, right? Like this is how many turnovers a team had, time of possession, net passing, yards per play, stuff like that. I do that and I pull up a website that was created by Ben Baldwin. Um, The short form is RB rbsdm.com runningbacksdontmatter.com that's how you can remember it easily rbs link in the description and you can get each individual box score from an advanced analytical perspective so that's going to show you success rates epa if you're not familiar with those metrics familiarize yourself with those metrics but what i try to do is find what i would term to be misleading box scores i'll give an example just so people can have context right But if you look at week one of the NFL, the Tampa Bay Bucks went on the road to Minnesota and they beat the Vikings, okay? In that game, the Vikings, from a success rate perspective, EPA per play, yards per play, were very dominant on the box score. They had a minus three turnover margin in that game. Two of the three turnovers were from buff snaps like center to quarterback exchange where Kirk Cousins dropped the ball and the Bucks got that. So that, in my opinion, is the definition of a misleading box score where Tampa Bay goes, wins as an underdog, but they do it with a lot of luck involved. So if those were interceptions, then you don't count, you wouldn't consider it as lucky. I, I, I would, in, it, it depends. So like, there's more to this, but like, this is just a, a very easy way of, the average fan can look at basic stats. Like, honestly, the av- even if you even if you're not a, I can go to my dad, right? My dad watches some football, doesn't bet on football or anything. I could say, here, dad, here's the box score for these, this game. What do you think the final score was? And the average fan can come up with like which team deserve to win or by how much just by looking at a box score. You can do the same. It's not that difficult. But find misleading box scores. And that's one. And what happened in week two? The Vikings got steamed into oblivion. On week two. Well, down from like seven and a half to six. Yeah. At Circa, they closed five and a half, even short of six. But so Vikings catch a bunch of money on misleading. And Tampa Bay gets faded at post against the Chicago Bears. That number went from two and a half down to one. Close that pinnacle. That's like the opposites happened, right? Now, obviously, Tampa Bay does cover the spread. Whatever. The Vikings didn't cover. Well, the they close. covered the opener. They but, didn't cover the closer by absolute... That that was rigged. Well, don't, I don't. We're not getting into the man of the library <laughs> bro, bro, stuff. Bro, why yeah. did they not go for two? I I, I can't even. T- I think it's just a brain fart. Honestly, no, just think it's a no, brain fart. No, this doesn't happen, man. This. It, uh, why did McVay kick that field goal too? That that don't even. Okay, things happen every week. And well, I, I don't know, man. Listen, I'm I'm all for like this. Doesn't matter about the spreads. Yes, but like something's going on, man. Did you not? Oh. 
It must be because of the writer strike. Johnny. Oh, the, the writer, the, the writer strike. Yes, they didn't think of it's. It's the backup writers writing these gay men's now, and they're making it too obvious. <laughs> Way too obvious. Way bro. too obvious. Yeah, listen, I think they, they kicked just, the field goal. Oh, don't even get me started. With no, the, z- he, knowing good and well that was the last play of the game. Yeah, I I don't know. I honestly don't. What's know. he trying to do? Dude, there's coaches so, covering spreads so, actively so, now. So some would literally that. say, yeah, so so someone would ask, okay, what was McVay doing with that field goal attempt there? Instead yeah. of just throwing throwing the ball, try to get a touchdown. Right? Doesn't want to. So the, the argument I would make. Doesn't want to get blown out or rather. Okay. Would rather boost up his ATS record for his career and for the year. So the argument I would make is that you cannot get, um, you can't win the game no matter what. Yeah, so he's don't, lost. So you, you've lost. So don't put your offense out on the field and potentially risk an injury on one play to like a receiver who gets blown up down the field or whatever. In that case, just fucking snap the ball and kneel. Couldn't agree more. Right? However, <laughs> I'm not saying okay, I'm not saying it's rigged. Definitely not rigged. It's not, it's not fixed. Yeah. But McVay there was very aware of the spread in the game yep. and was like, you know what? We're going to cover here for the boys. And he did. And he covered the opener. And it's all like the, the you, fact that the game didn't even close seven and a half <laughs> and it closed like seven. Yeah. Or even some people got a six and a half in that game. It, and then the same thing in Atlanta. And then the same thing in the Eagles game. Like the, the, the openers won. We're talking about betting early in the week to get the best of the number. The openers covered in all three of those games and the closers literally lost or pushed if you got. Atlanta minus one. Right. Or, but it even closed more than that. Or pushed if you got San Fran minus seven. Right. Crazy. It, it's, it's so, I mean, I, I don't think that there's anything to it. I completely understand why people think it, for one. But I saw the man of the library tweet last night, which was, we have to find this one because it was actually too good. It was like comparing a poster for the, the Sunday night football game to like Jaws. Or something like that. Like the poster of Jaws. Yeah, yeah, this is the one. I thought that the NFL might give Jaws, the Patriots, at least game one of the matchup with this clever script. Instead, they made Jaws look like Baby Shark out there. Come on, NFL script writers. Jaws is a classic. Too many young writers that disrespect cinema gold. If we click the pictures one by one, so we have this... Is that you in the bottom right? Oh my God, it looks like me, McDaniel. So we have this Jaws poster. Now go to the next image. And this is what the NFL used for Sunday night football game day with like a, a, a dolphin. And it's like, wait a second. What, it, might what, be is, on ha- to what is happening? And then apparently um, the main character in, in Jaws here, who's uh, Brad Powers, um, His tw- Twitter, pick. Twitter avatar looks like Mike McDaniel somehow. I, I, I don't know. You look more like Mike McDaniel. Yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. But I, I, the stretches we're going to in terms of like the fixed game stuff now is is a no, little bit no, too okay. much. Forget about it. I'm joking. I didn't say the Like, I'm not saying the games are fixed. I'll revert Some, that. Stuff is happening. What I'm saying is they're trying to cover the spreads. And and the Eagles one, though, that, that one makes no sense, man. Like, why would they not go for two? It just makes no sense. I'm going to give you a, an explanation. There is none. I'm going to give you the explanation. That You're going to give that, me an explanation? That's not correct. That, I, I, be, that I, I believe there's a 99% chance that is correct. Go ahead. Human error. This is the, the explanation. <laughs> they forgot. <laughs> yes. They forgot that they were, they were going to go up six instead of seven with no, no time to I, get two scores. Human error is the explanation. 
People make mistakes in pressure situations. And I'm not saying there's like a ton of pressure there, but people just make mistakes. There are only one explanation. Yes. Because at the time, how much were they up when they were about to kick the, the uh, extra point? Five. Uh, five, yeah. Okay. So they're trying to go with seven. Mm-hmm. Zero chance that the, the Vikings have enough for two scores. Yeah. Unless they return a kickoff onside kick, and then even then it'd be very hard. Okay. Maybe they're like, the only thing that could have saved them was if they go for two and then Hertz throws a pick two. Yeah. Makes it a three point game. Pick two. The old pick two. The pick two. <laughs> if they were, if, but if, if he was looking out for the pick two yeah. and not going for two there. No, that's absurd. Insane. Yeah. They literally went I'm up. I'm telling you, not, Johnny, none of them, none of the explanations. Sorry, sorry. I don't even think, no, that wasn't even, that's not even correct. I'm, mis- I'm misrepresenting the score because the Vikings got the last touchdown. I, I was need to just go up. I don't remember the exact situation. 14. It was it was it was fourteen. It was to go fourteen instead of thirteen or whatever. It was yeah, like the very yeah, no, obvious. No, 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 no. It's uh, yes. It should have obviously just gone for. I'm the, telling two. you, the the explanation is human error. That's it. But what drives me crazy because I started. No, the explanation is that the six was the the closing spread. Like I I started in media, right? Sports media. Myself, I was I had like some press passes to games where I was part of. I could ask a Look question. Look at that, Eagles plus six, Eagles minus six. In a scrum afterwards. Why does somebody not ask McVay after the game why he kicked the field goal? Yeah, that, like of all the questions like, to I, ask. Everybody guy, wants ask to him. know why, like, hey, Sean. You know, he did one last week too, by the way. Like a, a random weird field goal? Yeah, the game was already over and he was winning, but he, he kicked the field goal as the time expired instead of going for the touchdown. No, I'm going to pull this up. He did it in week one too, man. Maybe he's trying to get his kicker some extra reps, man. No, but they, what do you mean? That's nothing. Like, <laughs> Yeah, he did it. Look, so in versus Seattle in week one, the Rams were up 27-13. Well, you know what? And on the last drive of the game, I'm pulling this up right now. I want to see if it was with time expiring or not. The last drive of the game. It could have been. I'm trying to remember the time was not expiring. Okay. Three minutes and 16 seconds. All right. They started the drive. There was 11 seconds left on the clock after the field goal had been made. So, and let me see when he, when he kicked it. He kicked it on fourth and six. Yeah. So it was fourth and six on the Seattle 26. Yep. They're up. The game's already over. Yep. There's 15 seconds left. And he left, kicked the field goal. And he kicked the field goal. You know why? It's padding stats well, and or cover. Alternate explanation. Who's, who's the Rams kicker? Brett Maher. Brett Maher, who shit his pants down the stretch last year. No, just in the playoffs. Maybe he's trying to give uh, his kicker some confidence early in the year. Either way, if you're part of that media scrum, know the point spread, ask the guy a question. Like, this is the stuff that drives me crazy because there's going to be people out there that are like, oh, not everything is centered around gambling or whatever. It's like, why are we talking about this? Why is anyone talking about this game the next day? Because of that field goal. So somebody ask him the damn question, of why did you trot out your kicker to kick a meaningless field goal here? Just ask. Well, like Tommy Chang, coach of Hawaii, Lane Kiffin, coach of Ole Miss, and James Franklin, coach of Penn State, all three of them openly, actively try to cover point spreads. I'm sure they're aware of spreads now. Like and they've talked about there's it. There's coaches that have literally come out and said that. People are aware of spreads. I get that. McVeigh, I don't know. I don't know the reasoning, but I would have loved if someone asked him and he said, guess what? You know, the point spread was seven and a half. We wanted to do our Rams betters like a solid, <laughs> like I, that would make him the no, most likable guy around. Said, even if he just said something like, hey, listen, 
I know we had lost the game, but it, a lot of people were still watching because it mattered. If you said something like the that. Al Michaels type of situation where you don't actually reference the point spread, but you're like, hey, you know what? It matters to some people. That play mattered to some people, and we wanted to make sure that those people support us down the stretch. Boom. Easy answer. McVay's the same age as me, by the way. McVay looks like he's 10 years younger than me. And a lot of people a lot of people were... Because if he would have just most most of the time, if the game's over, you just go for the touchdown, take the fourth down for the for the touch, try to get the touchdown. Yes, like an extra rep. Yeah, whatever. We've gone on and off on a good tangent. That would have been like that, that would have if he got the touchdown. Yes, then he would have covered the spread. Yeah, for everyone. Yes, and hit the over. Yes. So, yeah, a lot of lot of implications on these plays at the end of these games, man. To your buddy, to your buddy's point about the early betting lines for everyone out there. Most of the early numbers are going to move because of injuries and misleading box scores. Like 90% of the time, that's really all you have to do to get out of ahead. And I don't want to say 100% of the time because there's obviously exceptions to the rule. The last thing I would say is that if you just pay attention to lines every week, it's gonna you're you're gonna start to ingrain. Uh, let me use this word carefully, but I'm gonna say trends in your head. And what I mean about this is market timing is important, right? So go back to last year's NFL season. I would always bet the Eagles early if I wanted to bet the Eagles because the Eagles were going to catch money on game day every day last year. If I wanted to fade the Bengals, you know, you know the Bengals are going to get faded in market pretty much every week because someone out there that bets serious money on the games and is like a winning better doesn't like the Bengals or whatever, but you will notice these things. So that's like the final piece to the puzzle here is like, how does the market typically react to specific teams? Do you notice that this team's total just gets bet over every week? If it gets bet over every week, just bet the over early and you're going to end up with a good price. And then you can decide what you want to do at some point or another. Some of these totals move through key numbers. You can, you know, try to middle a total. You can do whatever. So it's injuries, misleading box scores, and then just honestly studying the market and understanding how these things happen. High totals, right? Like there was years ago, we don't see totals in the upper 50s anymore, but there was like that one year would have been, uh, I guess, a COVID year where there were no fans in attendance where totals were just like through the roof. Every single total that was in like the high 50s or mid to high 50s, guess what? On game day, that total got bet down big time. So, you know, knowing that, you can get out ahead of, of a line move. I'm not saying you have to bet that on Monday or whatever, but if you pay attention to stuff, it starts to root itself in your mind and it just becomes like force of habit or natural thinking. And I understand if you're like your buddy's like more of a wreck better. He wants to have fun with it or whatever, that he's not going to be monitoring an odd screen every single day of the week or whatever. No, but, but still look at the history and stuff. Of course, he's pretty easily or just check in once a day to see where the numbers are at. Why did this team get bet today? Ask yourself that a lot of times, right? If it's a Thursday and you see a big line move in the, in the game, why did this team get bet? Go look at the injury report for that day or what, try to understand why things are happening. And once you can understand that, it just becomes so much easier. Um, you know, for me, I obviously trust my numbers when I bet the NFL generally, but so much of what we do is timing the market, like trying to get good prices on games and like even add to this, like one more step to add to this even further. 
understand like who the market movers are and you're not going to know every single market mover there's betting nfl betting groups that just don't put stuff out there but guess what i'm in the barry horse telegram chat i'm in the joey tunes telegram i'm in me you know like I'm, i'm in these and when they put something out the market's going to move off of that information. When Right Angle Sports releases a play, the market's going to move off that information. Knowing who's releasing what and why something moved is extremely valuable. And honestly, sometimes you can even profile these people. Information is valuable. If Joey Toon's going to bet the Tampa Bay Bucks every week, I just threw a random team out there, and the market's going to move off of that info, then f- fuck, beat them to the Tampa Bay Bucks. Then if he, you know, if he bets them six weeks in a row, if Barry Horse is releasing, you know, second half plays and they're always unders and he says a play is coming on this game and you know what game it is, fuck it, just bet the under before, like, you know, or, or just load it up and get ready and stuff like that. So market timing is important, but someone for, consider that a scumbag move. I'm, I'm not saying to blow up the screen. Okay, fair enough. But or even Quietly, what, toss your hundred bucks on it. So what's the first thing I know the first thing that I do when somebody says like a release is coming, okay? This is this is me. We're a little bit off topic here, but like release is coming. First thing I'm gonna do is like, okay, what is the, what? What's the play? What's the play? I'm gonna try to figure out what this play is, you know, and try to m- make some sort of probability on it. Then what am, I go- what am I gonna do? I'm gonna load up my betting screens and accounts and have that play loaded and ready to go. If I think it's likely going to be that, and if I agree with that, then the release comes, boom, you're ready to go. You fire on it or whatever, right? Like it's, you know, I'm, I'm not getting, getting good numbers is important, but ultimately for the, the wreck, the casual guy who's want, you know, who says like, yeah, I'm done with betting Sunday NFL. Like I, I just lose over and over. You want to beat lines, injury reports, misleading box scores, and just what I would call a market study, understand which teams are the market is generally high on or low on. And that in and of itself is good enough for you to, to get out and ahead. And one more thing I'll add. Wow. Use Betstamp. You can find betters on Betstamp that win at sports. You can analyze, you can build your own analysis of every single better. Okay. But you can definitely break it down by sport. You can dig into their plays. How early in the week do they bet? Where are they betting? You can find other betters, a portfolio of people that you can reliably tail if you want to. It is a powerful tool. People wouldn't post publicly if they didn't want you to see the stuff. There's nothing you're doing wrong by somebody releases a play on FIU plus 13 and a half and you go and bet it yourself afterwards. Like there's nothing wrong with that. But it's a powerful tool in being able to find other people as well. And some people bet early in the week. If you're not confident in yourself, to make this, then find other people that can do it for you. Like, honestly, uh, you know, people are like, oh, tout this, tout that, don't follow this, don't follow that. No, no, just do what works. Like, figure out what works for you to beat the line and then just continue doing that, right? So that's another shameless plug, but honestly, a really good one. And lots of my friends do that. They just find other winning betters on Betstamp and they're like, yeah, when this set, set alerts, this guy released a play, I'm gonna tail the play. And I'm going to find the best numbers. Sometimes they get even better numbers than the guy who released it because you have access to more sports books. You have access to Pinnacle in Ontario. 100%. 100%. So you had you talked about what you do basically Monday night. Sorry, Sunday night. Yeah. Then 
I know we wanted to get into kind of like the rest of the week yep. and like process for you specifically. So what's that look like after you've completed that injury report? And then, you know, now your four o'clock games are done. You record the show with Clive Bigsby. Everyone tune in on Forward Progress YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. And then what? So this is, people have to remember that this is not going to be the process for everyone. I basically am working like 80 hours a week during football season because I'm doing my own football betting. Plus I'm running the hammer which is essentially a full-time job in and of itself. So there's a lot for me that's going on over the course of the week. But Monday is a day for me to watch condensed game film as much as possible because I watch Red Zone during the week. The only, the only Sunday game that I watch in full is Sunday Night Football, but I'm actually not even watching it in full because I'm doing a show during the first half. So I don't see the entirety of the first half. So I watch condensed games. Most of the time I watch games where the box score was misleading. And I try to go and actually see like, hmm, was it misleading or was there something else at play here? And that's just like what I like to do. It's it's another element of me saying, hmm, maybe my, my number on this team doesn't match what I actually think that they are. Um, but that's that's just part of my process on Mondays. Monday night, I do the Hammer HQ watch along every single week. It's on the Hammer HQ YouTube channel. Honestly, we've had some great watch along so far this year. Lots of people in it, good community involvement. I just watch the game and react in real time. And if a lot of fun. Yeah. I joined a couple last year. Fire out some prop bets before the game. Don't want to mush it. So far, so good. Three winning streams. We'll see what, what tonight's brings as you, we're recording on Monday. You had a first TD the other day, did you not? Yeah, I got yeah. TJ Hawkinson first TD 20 to 1. 20 to 1, eh? Yeah. The big first. That's a good first TD win. First, first. First hit, by the way, that was such a good Did you one. have Jake Ferg? Uh, I did not have Jake Ferg. I did not have Jake yeah, Ferg. Yeah, Jake Ferg? Yeah, my buddy with me did yesterday too. He was going nuts. He got the same number I did. What'd you get? What number? Um, I don't know. Let's see if I can find what it was. Yeah. It was probably solid. Yeah. Yeah. It was probably solid. But Mondays is just... The tight ends, man. The tight ends are the, where you want to be. Usually... In first touchdown. Tight ends and backup running backs. What I noticed... Um, like, I, I, I've been high on Dawson Knox so far this year. I know they have, like, a new tight end as yeah, well, Don Kincaid. But, like, early in the year, these teams are still very loyal to their veterans. Like, they're not just letting the rookie come in and take all of Dawson Knox's snaps in the red zone. Oh, he's getting snaps still. Oh, yeah. Big time. Ooh, yeah, big time. Dawson Knox still has, he hasn't, his numbers are not, they haven't gone way higher. Like, Dawson no, no. Knox should be way more of a dog to be getting touchdowns. In oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not using his. It, just, for I'm example. Just, as just a, a random example. But Jake Ferg. Jake Ferg. Jake Ferg was a, is a good bet. Yeah. He's, he, he's a good bet. Yeah. And Hawkinson, too, at 20 to 1. No, that was. A, that was a, but that one, see, you got to realize also, like, the teams that are dogs versus the teams that are favorites. 100% plays into the number. It plays in more than people think. Yeah. Has right. to. Ha way, way more, though. Of course. Way more. It has to like Dallas being what was it eight and a half point favorite in that game yep. versus um, the six point favorite that we were just talking about the Eagles right there, that's a big difference in percentage chance for that team to even get the first touchdown. Hundred percent. And nowadays the coin flips are fifty fifty. Yeah. Everyone's typically deferring. Yeah. So you never know who's going to start with the ball. It's pretty much going to be a deferral. So the team that's favored, the odds need to, they they do reflect it, but you need to factor that in. You can't be like oh, Jake Ferg eighteen hundred. Last week or next this week is thirty three hundred. Like it doesn't work like that because you got to know when that how big of a favorite they were in the game exactly. Yeah, yeah, totally. So that's the Monday watch alongs. But the rest of the week, honestly, is not. It's nothing crazy. 
Tuesday morning is when I finalize my numbers. I work with a larger group of people. We all contribute numbers and we basically decide what we want to target for bets as a group. And then we try to figure out the timing of those bets. Do we need to act on this now? Or are we likely going to get opposed on this and we can just bet it at a better number later in the week? Um, what's the injury reports look like for this game? Like, do we risk losing this number and whatever? So Tuesday is more of like assembling what we want to target and deciding when we want to bet that. And we will do some betting on Tuesdays as well. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we're doing betting. But Wednesday, Thursday, Friday is when you get your practices in the NFL. And this is what's going to affect the lines on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. There's not a lot of people that I think are really betting out their true positions unless like they see something in the injury report that makes them need to bet at that point, right? Like you like one team and then the other team's injury report comes out and it's bad. You're like, okay, I got to bet this now type of situation. But that's most of your movement Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Wednesday injury reports, you often see like some guy, veterans take a rest day or whatever, um, you know, you don't put a ton of stock into them, but it gives you a little bit of information. Thursdays is more Fridays, your final one. And then you get the Friday afternoon final injury report. This player is questionable. This player is doubtful. This player is probable. I like to follow Twitter doctors. There's a lot of doctor accounts out there. Too many, some would say now. Some would say too many, but I find it actually really helpful in determining whether people are going to play or not and whether we need to bet. But that, that's it. It's just keeping on top of the league and understanding like when do I need to place this bet. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday is mainly just like monitoring what's going on in the landscape and just deciding when to place bets. And obviously like we're not always placing bets through sports books. There's something called crossing. Some people might call it cross booking. We'll talk about that on a future episode because I think that's just a topic in and of itself. But it's just navigating the landscape of, of the NFL. I listen to as much content as possible during NFL season. I listen to Adam Chernoff, Simple Handicap. I listen to You Better, You Bet. I listen to everything that I can just to understand like what's out there. Some, pe some person might say like something relevant that you pick up on that it just, I don't know, it's just part of my process and what I do, but we don't bet a lot on the weekends. We, we rarely place anything on Saturday unless it's a weird injury that comes out from a Schefter tweet or something. And Sundays, I, I do pizza buffet in the mornings. The limits at Pinnacle are 100K. Like, do I really want to be firing on Sunday markets? Only if I vehemently disagree with something, which was the case yesterday as or, you know, this past Sunday as an example. But it's very rare. So that's it. You ever it. take down Pinnacle for 100? Uh, not anymore. You used to? Well, collectively, I listen, I'm not, I'm not to make myself seem like I'm a bigger, better than I am. I have a pretty decent sized bet on the NFL, but, um, I work with a larger group and collectively we're trying to get X amount down. Most of the time we can get our bet filled earlier in the week. Yeah, absolutely. Especially on NFL. So one thing I want to note, by the way, great analysis by Pozzola here, like really understanding the sport to a level that is not just like, oh, I watched the games and the giants look like like trash this week um so picture this now because a lot of people were asking about like college football and college basketball and stuff nfl think about how many friends you have that know every quarterback all of them who doesn't know a starting qb in the nfl if you are a fan of the sport if you play fantasy you know every player how many people know nfl every player offense and defense now we're way lower not that many people know offensive line defensive line and maybe you know a couple studs on d that's it Go to college. How many people know every QB? 
Not nobody. No one knows every QB. Yeah, How many Powers. people? Powers and Kanish would know every QB. I would bet it. In in what for every team they know the starting the, QB for, for this the, week. Powers would know that the every Division One QB. But there's so few. To your point, okay. there's they, so few people that yes. that know that. So yes. that's QB. Yes. Okay, now who knows full rosters? Obviously nobody because yes. it's college and they're changing so much more than NFL anyway. So now think of this: if you follow, like we mentioned in a previous episode, I think it was with uh, John Fendler, we mentioned following basically certain divisions, certain conferences, certain teams. Yep. And that was a bit of a different sport discussion. But let's say we college football, which is more timely right now. Imagine following like 25 teams or 32 teams like the NFL. And then just knowing everything about those teams, you're going to actually be able to get a leg up on market for all of that stuff. This is, this is my challenge. So people are always like, ah, you bet the NFL. Like, why don't you bet college football? I can make a number on every college football game. I've done this in the past before. We could win a little bit of money doing that. But I'm like nowhere near the best people that are in that market. And again, sports betting is a competition, right? Like I'm competing against other people in this market who are just going to be way better than me at it. So what, what's the point of investing my time into that? And that's like the reason, oh, you do NFL. Why don't you do college football? I don't keep, I can't keep up with college football. I have so many things going on. Plus hockey season is going to start for me at some point in like a month as well. I got to add that to the mix. Like I could never do it. So to your point, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's just like a massive, massive, massive grind in terms of keeping up with everything that's going on in that one sport. Agreed. You, incredible. That Incre- would be incredible how, me, how much work it would actually be to do every, but every I, single I, I sport. I respect originated. these guys, man, who can do that. It's nuts, but like it's, it's an ultimate element of respect. But for me, it's a minus EV move to do college football. Yeah, too much because it's taken away It won't time. be my minus EV of the week. But it's a minus EV. All right, for me. let's get into let's get into that. I mean, we usually start producer Zach here. Um, yeah, I don't know if I have a uh, minus EV, but I ha- I got to tell you guys this story. It's basically just like I've opened myself up to taking a couple of L's here on the show, and people know it now and have gotten <laughs> used to that. So I'm gonna tell you guys this story, a little lighthearted one to close off, one that we got a little in depth on. So here here's the here it is. Thursday, I guess we go because our buddy gets engaged. Uh, shout out. Josh, congratulations! Engaged now. He was crazy moment. He was good. On, good. He was on an episode of Circles yeah. Off before. Yes, when, we, when Ontario legalized. Congrats, good. Congrats, good. Yes. So he gets engaged. Um, we go out for drinks with them after whatever. But we had to go get this table before he, him, and his now fiance were coming to meet us. So sit down at the table. Waitress comes over to me. She's talking to me and uh, my buddy who are holding down the table. And while we're talking to the waitress, ordering our stuff. This girl comes up from behind and walks around like, oh, like, hey, how's it going? It's this girl that I know from high school. I haven't talked to since I went to high school. So I stand up and kind of like make small talk. She says she saw me there. This is where it goes bad. So she she says to me, she's like, oh, how have things been? I said, pretty good. What are you up to? And she's like, oh, you know, and does this hand motion that kind of like, like, goes around the room, like showing around the room and says, oh, you know this, and I have a day job. <laughs> this is where I said one of the stupidest possible things <laughs> ever. I say to her, I didn't re- realize what was going on. And I said, oh, I have a day job too, <laughs> which is like, why the fuck did I say that? That was just dumb in general. So then she leaves. I sit down. I said to my buddy, dude, I said the stupidest thing I tell him. He's like, oh, that is pretty fucking dumb, whatever. <laughs> so she goes one way around the bar. There's like two ways to go to the washroom. She went one way around the bar, okay? 
she had told me in this conversation too by the way she lives in the city in the area with her boyfriend so i just assume she's there having drinks or dinner with her boyfriend so i get up to go to take go to the washroom i said to my buddy i'm gonna go that way because i don't want to pass her going around that side walk around the other side go to the washroom come back walking out you walk head on at the bar She's the bartender. She's standing there staring at me and just like she looks at me. I lock eyes back with her. I gave like the most awkward like nod and wave. And then she just looked at me and was like little nod. And then I just kept walking and was like, holy fuck, that was one of the stupidest interactions. It's pretty embarrassing. It's so, a tough look. Yeah. I I don't really have like a negative. EV. So a negative EV play is just, <laughs> is just having an awkward interaction with somebody. Yeah, like seeing someone that you haven't talked it's to It's obviously while weighing on him, not. too. Like, he's been thinking about this for a while now. Well, it's it's like, weighed on him. Like, he's, yeah, he goes to sleep go. at night, and yeah. he's sitting in bed, and he's like, why the gotta fuck let it go. did I well, say I, that? I just, I had to tell you guys, like, that was a... Yes. I didn't know what the negative EV of that one was, but holy shit, it was uncomfortable, <laughs> and I had to tell you guys. Yes. Yeah, so that was a tough one. All right. All right. I got I got one. So the uh, positive EV move yep. is uh, always... Say hi on like get get to know the uh the condo concierge, the doorman. <laughs> Positive EV as you can get. I forgot you live in a condo now, but like I, I lived down the street from where you currently live and my doorman, his name was Fabio, and we were like on like he he was the best. You get on good terms with that guy, buy him a glass of bring wine him, for bring him a Starbucks wine for Christmas or something like that. You, you, like it's like tip the pre tip. You know what I'm saying? Pre-tipping, same S- shit. Such a good move. Like, there's just so much stuff that, first off, they appreciate it. Yes. They're doing they're doing jobs sitting down all day. Like, how annoying would it be if you go in and just, a guy, everyone's just, like, ignoring you? Like, it's nice to say, like, hey, how are you? How's everything? A couple of the guys that are there is three main door guys. One of the guys that had a great conversation with him the other day. He's telling me about, like, his family. He came over from, like, a foreign country. He's been working hard. He's been working this job for, like, working a condo doorman different condo moved over to this one this one's way better this this and this the guy literally knows i had to go put something in a locker the guy's like you're in this unit and then he was like you're this locker and he just knew it off by hand from me walking and he knows every guy in the whole condo's unit locker and i'm pretty sure he knew my parking space number as well so this guy's just like he's in and just such a genuine nice guy like Brought him a coffee the next day too. I'm just gonna, you know, you, you gotta just get to know the guys. They're all great people, but they can also do so much shit for you. Like you don't want any hassles in the condo. This guy knows all, all my stuff. Have, now I have a guest up. Okay, perfect. Go go up. I have sure. a buddy over. Okay, go, yeah, no problem. So wh- where's this guy from again? He was originally from Pakistan. He came over to Canada. Oh, well this, I'll tell you what's gonna happen. Now there's this, there's gonna be a Pakistani Johnny from Betstamp. This guy's doing identity theft, man. He knows everything about you. <laughs> no, he knows, he knows about everyone birth, in the condo. Yeah. He knows everything about everyone in the in the condo. No, but <laughs> great guy. That's my plus EV move of the week. Is like the concierge at the condo. That that that's got those got to be your boy. I like that. All right, all right. Um, so for plus EV for me, uh, I'm not a, I'm not a handyman. I didn't really like learn the skills of putting shit together when I was younger, aside from like playing with Lego blocks or whatever, right? Here's my advice to you people out there. If you're not good at something, like especially if you're not handy, just pay someone else to do it for you. I cannot recommend this enough. I bought a new TV. The studs in my house are not like the proper distance apart in my office. They're supposed to be like 16 inches, I think. And these are like, they're not. 
So I'm just struggling there, like stud. I'm knocking the wall like an idiot. I'm drilling holes. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm there for like an hour and a half. And I'm re- like, I'm reading the instructions. I have no fucking clue. I'm just causing myself so much stress. I ordered like a task master, master or something like that. Guy came task to the house, rabbit. Ta- whatever it was. It took him like half an hour to hang this TV. Like honestly cost me like 40 bucks. Zero <laughs> stress, done. Just do stuff like that. Like I'm the type of guy like, yeah, yeah, I'll figure this out or whatever. And it just causes me no, like just grief for no reason. So my plus EV move, if you're not handy, just pay someone to do it for you or just apply that to life. Like if it's going to cause you problems, think about what your time is worth and the stress and pressure that you feel. I got my wife watching me try to hang this TV. I'm like, no, like this ain't happening. You know what? Very fair. All right. I'm, I'm typically the guy who would agree with that a lot. Like I'm, I'm, well, I'm always like To that. each their own, but like, I, what's the point? I could have been there all, I could have figured it out. I could put this TV on my wall. It would take me eight hours probably over okay, the course well, of the you Well, you gotta, some stuff like, you know, it's nice to figure it out on your own. That's why I do, I will say like, it's nice to figure out and complete the task. But so many of those things I agree with, like you're looking at like, yes, everyone could technically learn how to like paint the wall. Yes. But to go through the hassle of like painting your own wall versus paying someone else, like you also got to factor in that something like painting, you're doing a shittier job. Like that wall is not getting painted it's as good. Even if you try really hard, like it's, you don't it's have the not experience. The I'm totally with you on that. Listen, there's some people who might find it rewarding and they want to go down that path. If that's you, then do that. For me, I would just highly recommend stay away from the stress move on with life, get somebody who knows what they're doing. Bro, what about to people do it who wash you? their own car every week? Oh my God, man. The, the people you wash me. your own car, Zach? No. I, I like, listen, not that I'm going for car wash all the time, park underground. I don't yeah. need a car wash all the time, but like hard so much nicer to just go through a nice car wash. Auto glide. Yeah, but the, like the thing bucks. is with those is like you can risk scratching your car. Ah, I think it's, it's, what, what, it's overblown, What car? That's what overblown. car do you have that you're risking... It's the, it's more than, it's not it's not as much about the car itself. It's like some cars, the type of paint that's on them or whatever. It's just recommended to not go in certain kinds. Fair, fair. I mean, that's don't 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 bring a Ferrari in there. But yes. like, yeah, yeah. But like, you know what I'm saying is like, all right, if maybe if you don't own the car or whatever it is, there's some that you're not supposed to go through based on the type of paints. It's funny that's that what all it is. It's funny that you brought up washing because this is in my minus EV move of the week, which I've been waiting for a couple weeks just to see if it was like a one-off. But now that I'm a very perceptive person, once I notice something, I'm going to like notice it forever. And there's like an epidemic going on in the world right now of these people who take a shit in a stall and then they like walk out and they turn on the tap water and they just like run their hand on like very, very briefly just to like show everyone around them that they're there and doing something, but they're doing nothing. Like, what does it take to act like there's the, there's the fake, I've seen fake soap guys. Okay. So now that I'm really paying attention, guys who come out, they turn on the water, they fake to pump soap into their hand. There's nothing there. They do this and then they, they rinse and they go. It's like, dude, who are you fooling, man? Like just what it takes 30 seconds to wash your hands. Like thir- you just, re- you do a quick rinse. Boom, and then they go get a paper towel, everything, like the whole process. You're also spending the 30 seconds faking that you're doing This it. is what I'm saying. Like, just, if you're going to fake. I don't see that often. I'm a big hand washer. Now guy. that I told I'm you this. I'm a massive hand washer. 100%. Like, now that I've told you this, and, and you <laughs> listening or watching, 
you will see this happen more and more around you. It's actually an epidemic. Like people do not wash their hands. It's absurd to me, especially if you're in like a public washroom, you take a dump or whatever. Like the least you, if you're going to pretend to wash your hands, just, just wash. wash your hands. Yeah, I haven't seen this, but I'll keep, listen, I'll like, keep I, an eye out. I'll I have more respect out. for the guy who just comes out of that stall and walks right out of the room than I do the guy who fake pumps soap into his hands, does like a quick rinsing of the fingertips and and is out of there. Well, you know what it is too? It's also a full admittal that they should be washing their hands anyways because they're saying to everyone else, I know you think I should be washing my hands. I'm going to pretend to wash my hands to satisfy you Think yeah, I should be washing my hands because I should probably be washing my hands anyways. More respect for just walking <laughs> out. There's so there's nice. two minus EV moves in here. One is not washing your hands after you take a dump. But number two is pretending to wash your hands, which <laughs> might even be more minus EV because you're not actually washing your hands and you're still taking the time still to do so. You're still taking the time to do so. This has been a great episode. I've really enjoyed it. Honestly, just like- Wait, the- I didn't give my minus EV, I don't think. I got to give one quick minus. Oh, yeah. You give a plus. I, yeah. yeah, you give a plus. I thought my, the car wash. One my quick bad. minus my EV, yes. okay? One minus EV is the guys or girls who have a bunch of stickers all over the, the back of their laptop, okay? Now, listen, I know it might be some people in this room. <laughs> I'm not trying to rip Zach, but there's a lot of people here. Listen, yeah. I'm not saying you can't have a sticker. I have a sticker on my laptop. It's a bet stamp sticker. You're allowed a few stickers, but like... How many stickers are you going to put on your laptop? Like, you're just putting any sticker on there. Like, random randomness. Like, you're literally, Zach's pulling on his laptop right now. This, this might That's be too many stickers, bro. I, my home, the other laptop I have at home. You have a Spotify sticker. Okay, I guess, because you do podcasts. You got the bed stamp sticker. Okay, fair enough. It's got two bed stamp stickers on there. Tip, yeah. Tipsy Elves? Yeah. What Lug? is that? Lug? I know, it was given to me. See, you don't even know what that is and you put it on your laptop. And and Zach's laptop, he's got a lot of room there for more stickers. Yeah. I'm talking those people, full laptop, cover to stickers. They don't even know you're su- supporting brands. Oh, yes. Quinnipiac Bobcats, though, national champions. There yeah. Zamboni. All right, let me grade these stickers. The Matthews one, fair. You're a massive Leaf fan. Beat Yale. Yeah, my sisters went to Quinnipiac. It's a rival game. <laughs> okay, okay. You have a Vans sticker? You don't yeah. even wear Vans, bro. Yeah, I do. You wear Vans? Yeah. All right. You got fine. a Yeti cooler? Uh, a Yeti cup. Mug. <laughs> okay, Travel okay. mug. All right, all right. But I got some stickers to sell, I, Zach. I on. actually do, will say, though. I don't buy these. I, 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 don't, I don't necessarily agree with you here, but there has been a... I put a Bitcoin sticker on the back of one of my laptops once, and I went through customs Massive negative <laughs> Do <laughs> Massive, bro. Don't do that. Don't do anything. If you're going to put stickers on your laptop, think about bringing that laptop across the, the country borders <laughs> and then ask yourself, should I put this sticker on this laptop? You're not because putting I, like Canna brands on there and no, stuff? <laughs> no, I had a Bitcoin and like a, tre- also like what an idiot. I bought a Trezor wallet once. I put like a Trezor sticker on. I'm like, why would I be advertising that I have like a Trezor wallet and like bit, Bitcoin, like just re- anyways. Don't do stuff like that. That that's that's a big mistake. If you want to express yourself, I don't have a problem with expressing yourself. Although I mean, that seems like a lot of stickers on. on given to me. No, and I wasn't even targeted. This was not targeted at Zach. Yeah, this yeah, target okay. is a bunt. The right in his eyes when you said. Yeah, you no, right to be honest, can I say this? If we if we I was had a laser, s- that you would have cut him right in half. No, no, hear me out. I have a note. I have a, a notes. The the regular notes where I put all my positive and negative EVs when I see them throughout the week. I just write them down for the show. I've got a bunch banked because obviously you know sometimes you come to the show you're like all right what, what am I doing all right I'll give out these two today. 
This one actually was from, I saw someone in Starbucks at the base of this building, yeah. like this week, this upcoming week, sometime last week, that had just like one of those big laptops, not, not a Mac, like one of those massive ones, full covered with stickers and just like all over the place. And then you could tell it was putting stickers on the stickers already. And then at that point, I'm like, all right, this is negative V. She's repping brands that she doesn't even know. Like, there's no way she's supporting all these things. And then, as I was giving it out here, I remembered, ah, fuck, Zach's got a lot of sticks on his laptop. <laughs> really got did. He. Well, you, you I can't it. see his laptop from this position, by the way. No, it was in, in his bag. backpack. So, like, I didn't just give it out like that. Anyways, the sticker, this has been. The sticker community is going to come after us yeah. now, by That's the way. fine. That's fine. Go the comments come below after. Is no. gonna be what are you going to do? Put another sticker? <laughs> I hate circles off. Put it on, buddy. There you now, go. You know how like Rico has his army, the riders or whatever. I'm gonna start having an army behind me, and they're gonna start coming after you. Oh, every time I, I you rip got, me, I've been you're gonna too get hard on, on Zach. Zach, I'm blast. sorry, bro. Rico's riders. No, it's okay. Zach's jabroni. Zach gave me a beatdown in fantasy. <laughs> Philly's flyers. Also. Philly's flyers. <laughs> Zach gave me a beatdown in fantasy this week. Oh no. Yeah. yeah too many. Too many players. Anyways, this has been episode 120 of the Circles Off Sports Betting Podcast. We'll see you all next week.